KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. Hope you're well. This week on the show we have Luke Hodge. What an absolute star. Four-time Premiership player. Um, But you know the stats, okay? If you're listening to this, you know who Luke Hodge is. If you don't, check him out on Wikipedia. You shouldn't need an introduction to this man. He was a captain of the Hawks. He's done incredible things on the field. But today was just an awesome chat. Like, one of those ones where I looked put the bloody laptop away, didn't even have a run sheet, and we just talked turkey, and it was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely unbelievable. I really appreciate his time. He's such a busy, down-to-earth guy, Colac boy, coming into the AFL, and just done unbelievable things. He had so many good Clargo stories uh, that were just unbelievable that, uh, to be honest, I've never really heard before, um, and were really cool. Gave us a really good insight into what it was like as a leader at Hawthorne, winning all those flags. We spoke a lot about the media um, that he's working in now and and how it's been evolving and, um, you know, the things that we love and the things we don't love as much. But, yeah, it was just a really all-rounded good podcast. Can't thank him enough for his time, and I, I really honestly think that you guys will enjoy this one. Iliac-X. Hey, if you do love the podcast as well, it would be absolutely incredible if you could follow, like, subscribe, send it to a friend, send it to a Hawthorne fan. Um, and yeah, comment, it'd be huge. Illy XX, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, check this one out with Luke Hodge. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub. This is, you know, going well, Brian. Oh, it's special. Get comfortable, uncomfortable. Mm. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Carrying a sheet of paper with six names and said, Chief, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by a stingray, mate. I'm just yelling, oh, you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Hodge, man, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've been watching for a long time and didn't have an invite, so oh, I'm, I'm I glad I finally uh, could work into your busy schedule. I'm going to uh, cue you here. <laughs> Who have you been watching? What, what episodes? Uh, there was, was it, you don't know, Buckley? I skipped over a couple of them. You had uh, a few, uh, it wasn't Buckley, there was a few parts that you, you'd put in. Cane Corns. No, nah, I, I saw Cain, but I skipped Cain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, work with, I work with Cain on a Monday, yeah, on a Saturday. You don't want to hear him all the time. Nah, so I was wondering when I was going to get the, nah, the you've, invite. No, uh, it's been incredible to uh, have you on, obviously. I um, have been a big fan of you for a long time, but I, I have this weird thing. I don't want to annoy people. I want to make it make sure it's fitting in with them and um, and what you're doing. So I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. I've got four kids up in Brisbane, so anytime you ask me to come down early, I'll be more than happy <laughs> yeah, to jump lovely. into it, mate. Um, mate, how's the feud with uh, Tom Brown going at the moment? How are you guys? I haven't seen much this year. No, that, that the funny thing is, is people because you're on TV with people a lot. Uh, BT's another one. Tom Brown. People sort of say, "Oh, yeah, you had a go at him." If we sat there and agreed with everything they said. You'd be sitting there going, shit, what? this is just boring. So people always say that, oh, you've got a riff with BT, you have a go. I get along with BT fine. Yeah. The only thing is there's sometimes he says stuff and when you're commentating for a whole game of football, you've got to spark things up because some games of footy are pretty boring. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's a few times where I'm sitting there, I disagree, I'll just go back at him. But then you finish, your, you get off the game and 
and you look at your phone and people are like, holy shit, these two are having a crack at each other. But um, I've got no issues with Tommy Brown. Um, I've got no issues with BT. But <laughs> I think to spark up a little bit of entertainment, you've got to have a bit of a dig at oh, something mate. that you something you disagree with, but there's nothing personal. It's just more taking the piss a little bit. It's my highlight of, of watching <laughs> it, to be honest. It does, like, it breaks you out of that sort of just aeroplane mode of just, like, watching the game. Yeah. It's crazy, though, with media. I was actually thinking about it this morning, even with those little bits and pieces. Like, you see what's happening with Kane at the moment and – this uh, commenting on commenting of players and it's just gone fucking mad. Like sometimes leaving the game now, I suppose it's hard because you're in the media, you know, and you're in it every yeah. day and you're always thinking about it. But taking a step back, I'm going to get a bit weird with you in a minute. <laughs> I stayed at Crown. I'd expect nothing less. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stayed at Crown on the weekend. And, um, Are you I'll, trying to get another plug for a free I would actually more, love more another, I'd love another plug. Yeah, Crown. <laughs> Make sure you throw it out. He wants to go back. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. But I was up high. and um, Penthouse. No, not the penthouse. <laughs> but I was looking down. And you know when you just like look down from a building and you just get this amazing perspective on life? Like yeah. you see people just like walking around and cars going by. And it's like the best way. People say like be present. I actually have found for me now, not just being at Crown, but getting up high <laughs> – has been incredible perspective. And the reason I bring that up is before that, I was listening back to like Kingy and um, Corns going at each other and stuff. Yep. How crazy is it in media? How we're just so fucked, like everyone's in. And then you take this perspective back and you go, what the fuck is everyone even talking about? Yeah. Oh, mate, I couldn't agree more. That Moving to Brisbane was a big eye-opener for me. When you go into the, especially being at Hawthorne through the successful years, you, you move up there and you, you are, you're a step back from everything. And all of a sudden, people that, bitch and moan about so much, you sit back and go, well, is it that important anymore? But what you have to understand is in the media and the people out there going, these two going back and forth, in the media, there's so many media out there. Mm. So if you're going to be just the same stock standard, boring media personality, you won't last long. So Kane's obviously made his name. He's jumped into into the media spotlight by making some big comments. I mean, a, lot, a lot of things he has said has been true or, or has an element of truth to it. There's been a few things there that you sort of sit back and go, come on, mate, this, yeah. is, this is a bit far-fetched. But, look, that's that's the way he is. He's a, he's a bloody hard worker. Like, if you look at – the reason why he succeeded in AFL was because of how hard he worked. If you look at the two brothers, would you prefer to be a physique of Chad or the physique of Kane? Um, both have their positives. Kane's yeah. probably a bit more of an athletic. But <laughs> he got to where he did because he was a hard worker. And in the media, it's the same thing. He, he will go through and do so much. That's why he picks up on so much stuff that a lot of people don't because – not that other people don't work hard, but he just goes through so much more. It's like you would know certain footballers who would do the same thing. Some blokes just naturally have the ability to go and play the game and do a little bit of research. Some blokes will research your opposition to the inth, to the, to the mm. inch of, of knowing the ins and outs of it. Um, that's what he does with the media. So he picks up on a lot of trends that other people don't. But he also does say a few things. You sit back and go, Kane, shut I, up. I love it. I, I seriously <laughs> do. I think that, like, he's been a massive trailblazer in the media. And, yep. and you look at what they do in the US and how they talk. He's brought that mindset, really, to Australian sport. And even the fact now, you know, you sit down and you watch a lot of commentary and media and stuff. And it is so easy to say, like, you know, you've been a four-time premiership player, Norm Smith medalist, one of the best captains of all time. And – I sit back just from being involved in footy and it shits me to fucking death when we throw out like these little things about commentators will say going, oh, they didn't rock up, they didn't, they weren't ready to win today. It's like, <laughs> are you fucking, what is that? What does that even mean? And we, like it doesn't actually get explained. Like there's different things, you know, like did they not rock up to win or did the team just come better to play? Yeah. And that's where I feel like yourself and Kane and other like they're actually starting to dissect it and bring 
more actual professional analytics into the commentary because that shit, everyone rocks up to win. Yep. That's just such a throwaway comment. And, and with, with football, some, sometimes they've got a plan against you. So you refer back to the gather round, the Adelaide versus Carlton, and Adelaide blew Carlton out of the park when yeah. a lot of people thought Carlton should win. They, they outplayed them, they outhunted them, but they were had a good setup for them. They had Dawson that was going to go to Cripps and they just had a few plans or a few tactics that actually worked effectively and all of a sudden – you know, it's like if, if some team jumps out of the blocks at you, you're, you're hesitant for a little bit, you, you're on the back foot. Uh, and then there's some nights that things don't go your way. So no, I, I do agree that when you see the, oh, they're not trying. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's they're bloody trying. trying. And that's the best part, isn't it? Like they would have looked at Carlton after that game and said they didn't try hard enough. Give respect to Adelaide. They actually they just played really well. played it well and yeah. they did the did the right stuff. So and Some of them, sometimes you're, when you're not going well, you try too hard. And sometimes when you try too hard, shit goes the other way. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, as I said, sometimes that your tactics is just aren't as good as the opposition and, and they beat you to it. All the, the ball bounces your way. So answer me this question then, okay? This might be a hard one for you, but thinking about back when you guys are winning four flags in a row, uh, three in a row, and you won obviously in 2008 as well, who do you think is working harder, right? Yourselves at that time of winning those flags or North Melbourne over the last three years? Both teams are working harder, but both teams are working at different areas yeah so north melbourne or whoever was down the bottom of that those those years north melbourne were actually up in, in 15 yeah, so whoever prelim. was down the bottom, whoever's down the bottom um say carlton yeah um okay they're look so the team's down the bottom it was the same as when hawthorne went through 04 05 06 when you're down the bottom you're working on a system you're working on as hard as you can to either set standards, you're working on a game style, you're working on introducing young blokes into your team to help them feel comfortable. So no matter where you are on the on the ladder, teams are working hard. Where we were during 13, 14, 15, we'd got the stability of the list. We're adding blokes in to help um, improve Frawley our list. And, yep. Frawley, Sean Burgoyne, Gibson, yep. um, Hale, Lake, as much as Lake. Lake, <laughs> um, he, he actually reckons he's the reason we won oh, three flags. Well, we, we lost 12. Yeah. He was there for three years. We won three years. Then in 16, we finished top four and went out in straight set. So it was all down to Lakey, if you ask him. Well, you can't deny that. No, really. no. Yeah. He had got a good point. Yeah. But, but what we were doing was we were adding people in, but we were working on making sure that we stayed ahead of the game just by different tweaks of the game style. But we're also making sure that blokes didn't get ahead of themselves. And as leaders, it felt at times that you were a Grinch because you'd come in on a weekend and and things that you'd probably allow that oh, he he didn't square up this time. We were making sure that, hey, don't let that slip into our game. We were able to be successful because we were very anal on those those little things. Don't let this be a part of it. So after a while, you get to the end of it. And I, I captained for six years. And after that, I'm like, I've got to give it up because mentally you felt like every time something would happen, you, if if you didn't say it, you'd make sure one of the leaders or if the leaders didn't bring it up, you'd – you try and um, make the emerging leaders raise it. So it was, it was a stressful time to make sure that the things that we were good at, we didn't let slip the standards continue to rise, even though that we had a few successful years. That's a really, in like a, that was a probably loaded question as well. And I was really interested in your point. I knew that that would probably be the answer, but it's funny when you, you know, everyone's been around a sporting club or even a good business, you know, like sport and business are exactly the same. And when things are going well, you often forget those little bits and pieces. And I know that for a fact, the reason I asked that question before was when I was at Carlton, it was like, it was crazy. You know, we had to be there at 7am, yet you didn't leave till 6. You had to weigh in at this time. And if you weren't weighed in, we are going down to St Kilda Beach and doing this. We had to have this amount of Ks every day. And it was fucking like army, you know, like it was so hard and you'd go and you'd lose every week. Yeah. 
And then I went to the Giants, and this is when they're in their good period, and guys are playing cricket in the warm up, and <laughs> you know you don't have to weigh in. You, like Jeremy Cameron's fucking in, like we're doing the warm up, and he's just shooting basketballs inside, and all these bits. And I was like, what is this? What do you mean? Like you're winning every week, these guys are losing. Yeah. But then you look now, and it's like maybe at that club because they weren't doing those little things while they're going well. The sustained success isn't going well. Well, So is that the big part of it? Yeah, well, well, Clarko's first year, I remember we went down to the beach for a beat session because someone wore the wrong socks. Yeah. Because a small little thing of discipline was, yes, making sure you rocked up on time, but making sure that you're dressed in the right attire. you got sponsors who pay big money to be on your chest when you're training. So we made sure that during training sessions, everyone had to be in the right attire. Someone wore the wrong socks, so we went down to the beach. Mm -hmm. If anyone was five minutes late, would go down the beach the next the next time. And it wasn't – I remember it was Zach Dawson. So he, I think he wore the wrong attire. We went down there. Zach Dawson slept in. Yeah. Uh, and and Clarko and Vanders at the time didn't spray Zach because it wasn't about – he's a young kid learning his way. It was about making sure everyone was going to be disciplined. Mm. So they're the small little things that you got to set the standards with the, the, the lowest part of it and build from there. But then as you have success or as you, you, the group are getting older, you need to start to trust the guys and say, hey – we trust that you're going to do the right recovery. We used to always, on an interstate trip early on, have to wake up and meet downstairs at nine o'clock after breakfast and go for a team a team walk, team mm-hmm. jog, bit of a handball, just to get blokes in the right routine before a game. After about five years, we made it optional. 20 blokes still would go yeah. and do it. There'd be the odd couple that would sleep in still and, and not want to do it. But it was about setting standards, setting trends for them to continue to do by himself, and then trusting that when they were away from everyone else away from the eyes of the footy club that they were doing the right things then. And that's where you can start to trust. And that's why GWS, when they were playing cricket and playing basketball, the coaches trusted that when it came time to train or play, they'd be switched on enough to do it. Mm. It actually takes me back to a time with um, Bolt, who, you know, you would have worked a lot with at Hawks. We're on a preseason trip and I laughed about it at the time, but since I've left, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, fuck, this was actually incredible. What they did was we were sitting in like a, I think we're up in the Gold Coast and we're sitting in the team meeting and we're like, where the hell are the coaches? Like, this is strange. They come in and they're all in suits. And I was like, Jeez, coaches Bob, you know, there's some weird shit, right? <laughs> okay. And I get there's some weird quirkiness yeah. about it, but I like the message of it. And the message was like, you know, we hadn't been playing very well when we traveled. It's like, boys, this is a fucking business trip. And it was a bit <laughs> weird because they're in suits like at night, but I was like, I liked, it stuck in my mind yep. about, okay. We're actually here. This is like a work trip. It's not like we're here to fucking have fun, play table tennis, go and have a swim down at the beach and all those bits and pieces. It's like this is a work trip. You're yeah. going to come in and do it, which, again, the quirkiness is there, but it stayed in my memory because of that. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got two for you. Um, and as I said, Clarkson and, Clarkson and Bolts are a lot like they spent a lot of time together. But yeah. we had a trip to Sydney and it was very similar. Um, 2010 or 11, I think it was, we hadn't beaten – like one up in Sydney for years. And as we had the final team meeting, we had 10 minutes to go and text or call family, whoever were getting tickets saying, we're going to have our phone taken off us till after the game, which, you know, it's like when you go there, these things sit with everyone. Like you always got it in your hand. So then the blokes went out there and messaged and called people and sort of said, well, we're going to leave the tickets here. You won't be able to contact us. If something urgent, call Mark Evans and and you can go from there. Sammy Mitchell had twins, so he wasn't a big fan. He ended up getting his phone back because his missus was very close to, yeah. to giving birth at that stage. But it was the same thing. Every time they wanted, every time that you picked up your phone to call to text to play a game, you had to think about why you're here. And it was good. What's your role? What did you have mm. to do? So it was the similar thing to a business trip. So it actually worked. We ended up beating Sydney that day. Uh, another one was up in Sydney. It was the year Bud left. Uh, 2000 and it was round eight, 2014, the first time we played played butt up in Sydney mm. and I was injured, Mitch was injured and Sully was injured. It was the first time Clark had 
coached without the three of us since 2005. Yeah. It's it a fair stint with, with the three of us actually being in Big the team. Leader, yeah. And we're all waiting in there. And I went up there as an injured travelling player. And we're sort of waiting around. Once again, the coach wasn't here. Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Next thing, the door opens. And it's ironic the time uh, with um, the coronation with, with King Charles. Clarko walks out dressed in the security with the big hat and the red outfit, walks in there. Like the king's- the, Yeah, the security. The king's guard. The king's guard. And he's out there and he's like sitting down there and he had the straight face and we're sitting down there going, what the fuck's going on here? And his whole thing was it's a changing the guard. The we're sitting there going, what the fuck's going on? And the best part was I was sitting beside Ruffy. Ruffy's taking a photo of Clarko oh, in the king's guard. Changed, but it was that was his mindset. It was the same as you. Like for, for the whole time he was coaching there, he'd had either Mitch as a leader, uh, Sully's a leader or myself as a leader, but he had gone. So I was up to Ruffy and Louie and all these guys to- That's take, unbelievable. Mate, but it, was, it didn't work. It we lost. It. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it sticks out in your mind thinking, fuck, how hard would it be for a coach, and especially a coach who's coached for 15, 16, 20 years as Clarko has, to continue to come up with different ideas to try and motivate your boys. Some of them work and some of them you sit back and go, fuck, you're way off there. But isn't it, isn't it incredible the fact that like you still talk about them now yeah. and they have stuck in – because there's been a million things that have been spoken about that I've totally forgot about, but I can recite so many of those little like <laughs> analogies that – and I'm worried that if we keep going, they'll be crossing over and maybe ruining that – You know, the they've, they've, stolen, they've stolen off someone else. We but, had – Clarko did one and it was one that we thought he was taking the piss. So it was – I think it was of ice skaters. It was it was about being in sync with your teammates yeah. and making sure you're on the same page with football with 18 people. You need to know what you're doing and you need to know what he's doing. So you had these two ice skaters <laughs> in sync and and they looked it was amazing what they did and you had this really soft music behind it and we're sitting there going this is before, like not day before a game trying to motivate 24 blokes that are 18 to 30. It's not not working. No. <laughs> so in the back row, so in the back row there was myself, Guerrero, Stratton. Gibson, Franklin, we've sort of sent the message of when this finishes, let's give it a standing ovation. So as it's finished, this piss poor thing, it, like to motivate blokes, the song, the soft song's finished, and we've just erupted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he's looked and gone. You guys can go and get fucked. And st- <laughs> we thought he was joking until Lauren spoke to Karen on the weekend afterwards and explained that he spent that much time. Oh no, looking through the tape, getting the music that sort of because of the the mindset behind it. But then it fell flat on his. But he's walked out, slammed the door, and we didn't see him for the rest of it until the game. But didn't realise he was actually generally pissed off at our reaction that we're taking the piss out of him because he went to so much time and effort. Oh so my God. some of them work, and, and some, some of them, them fall, don't. fall flat on their face. Look, I suppose you could. There's, there's so many, and we could literally talk about it all day, which I'm actually happy to. But the one that does stand out that I've heard, and I'd love just your point of view from this one, was when. Um, Clarko chinned himself. Is that does that stand <laughs> uh, out fond to your memory? Was it after a loss to Port Adelaide? It was. It was oh, Xavier Ellis is one of his favourite stories of all time, but I can't get enough of it. Yeah, oh, there's a mix between when he punched the whiteboard and dislocated a knuckle. He's kicked the he kicked drink bottles on the ground, thinking they were empty. They were full. Broke his toe. <laughs> but I think the one you're talking to was when what coaches do well and what Clarko does well is if he feels that if the players played poorly and didn't have the right attitude and they lost, then he would have a go at the players. But if he felt that attitude was there, but the tactics weren't, he'd blame himself. And he was doing that, it's my fault, I feel I feel like, and then he's whacked himself in the head and then did the old stumble back. And <laughs> and we're, the only thing is, being under him for so long, you think, that's just, that's just normal. Yeah. <laughs> this bloke, you, between the changing of the guard and between punching yourself in the face, hitting the whiteboard, kicking the drink bottles, and some of the really good speeches, you, you're prepared for anything. And they were one of the ones where once he did it, you thought, 
fuck, he, he realised he stuffed up yeah, then because he's, he's a little himself. bit shaky. Yeah. His eyes went a little bit glassy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that's one of many which which you can probably mention about Clarko. Does um, anything stand out to you around like into September, Premiership days, Grand Final days? Obviously, the games are won. They're there. In terms of coaching and like not even just Clarko, but guys that you worked with in your psychologist mindset coaches. Like I know Anthony Clarica was there for a bit yep. as well. We came across the Carlton and I really enjoyed a little bit of his stuff. Was there anything there that stands out for certain premierships that, that actually really work for you guys or yourself personally? <laughs> I've got a mate who, who came in with uh, with us in the 2014 and he yeah. thought pump up music. It was my 250th game. So he thought he'd come in with us, drive in. Uh, I think he tried to sneak him in, in the car so he didn't have to show his ticket because he didn't have one. Um, but he was a bit of a surprise because everyone has different routines. Yeah. And he thought I would have an eye of the tiger or something big pumping up. I had two kids at that stage. So we'll listen to the Wiggles driving into the 2014 grand final. I remember afterwards he goes, I can't believe that you pump yourself up with a fucking Wiggles song. I know. It's amazing. When you, when you have kids, a lot of things change. And a lot of, a lot of your focus goes away from what other people are doing um, on, on grand final day. So there's probably blokes like Ruffy who can remember everything. But when you sort of get into those, you, you focus on what you've got to do for the team, mm. a lot of it. A lot of the build up and preparation um, you do midweek. And then going into the game, you sort of go to your own, I guess you're in your own mindset until it gets near game time when you start to look around to sort of see what blokes are panicking, what blokes are not acting normal, that's when you go to sort of reach out to them and and, uh, and start to talk to them. Because you try and jump into their preparation too early, you might upset them, they might do things different, um, but you just got to make sure just before the game. So as far as things that jump out, nothing that really, mm. nothing really sits in well, my Well, you mind. won the board in, like, did you need that? Or it sounds like, like hearing what you said then, you were sort of pretty just content yourself with, with your own thoughts and worrying about other people. Is that... Yeah, um, it, it changes. I think yeah. you have to adapt with it's. It's as we spoke about before. It's you need to adapt with you on the bottom of the ladder, yeah. middle or, or high. Uh, when I was when I was uh, prior to kids, I was very adamant of what I wanted to do. Whether I had the pass the two nights before the game, yeah. or, uh, but when I had kids, I realised that you don't get a preference. Mate, of I, your- I've, I have a young son, and it's <laughs> now, and it's I don't like even this morning booking this chat in. I'm like I don't know what time I'll be able to see you, mate. To be honest, like, I don't like. It's hard to make plans ever. Like yeah. I, I don't know how. Try having four. Well, I, yeah, that's to be honest. That's I don't know how that's gonna ever well, happen. I remember when even Brett- getting to training and shit. Like I had two weeks off. And yeah. I remember, like you blokes, when you're playing footy, you back up the next day. We it's had crazy. To. It was. I think that's. One, didn't even think about it. But that's one thing is it's an understanding and a, and a build up of being prepared prior to what happening with mm. football is you knew and and well, your partners are amazing what they go through. But obviously, being a partner of a, and a professional athlete who has to go and train to make sure they can prepare for the next week, they they go above and beyond. But that was just the mindset of that's what you did. The, the times we used to have love and eight hours sleep, you realise that prior to a game that was irrelevant. As yeah. long as you had a decent sleep in the in the week leading up, not before the game, it would be handy. But if you didn't, you didn't have to stress on it because your motivation, your energy levels, um, and your adrenaline get you through on one or two nights bad sleep. Mm. It's more when a, a week or so preparation. It's to all catch there. Up. And again, this is like just bringing back old memories. But last one on this. I- Maybe is <laughs> I remember when Bolts first got to and I, the reason I keep bringing these up is because I think a lot of this would have come from Hawthorne yep. or maybe is we sat in a meeting and I hope I can articulate this properly but he said that what he wanted us it was like the first day and we'd never even spoke about premierships and you know you can laugh about it now can but I it hasn't stop happened yet yeah what do you want from me is that what he's going to say no no shit no it wasn't I that thought, no, okay. well, maybe it's that but he said this thing where he wanted us to start visualizing that at every game it's a end of the year grand final. It's hailing, we're like all feeling sick. 
we're a point down at every turn, a quarter time, half time, three quarter time, we're a point down. And at the end of the game, we win the grand final. And he wanted to imagine that from now on, that's the way we envision it. So that no matter what happens, if we don't sleep, if blokes are injured, if anything, the worst day possible happens, that you'll be prepared yep. for the worst P- possible situation. Prepare for the worst, yeah. hope for the best. And- but it was cool because in our time, I'd like, you think about it because, you know, for me, I look at like when you play grand finals and I go, fuck, I want to be Luke Hodge. You know, I want to kick left foot snaps on a beautiful summer's day at the end of the year, but very, very rarely it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that was the, the mindset and you're right. What he was preparing the group for was – doesn't matter what the situation, you might have injuries. If you prepare mentally for the worst, so going into big games, I used to prepare having the biggest, sluggiest game as far as yeah. it was contested possession. There was no open ball. It was all just hard fight for every possession you could get. So then when you got into games, if that was the game, then you'd be prepared for it. And that's what this is what I this is what I pictured was gonna be. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's not as bad as we thought. So hang on, this is, I've got the ball, I've got a bit more time and energy than, than what I had that I was picturing. So if you prepare for the worst or prepare for the most fiercest game that you're ever going to come up against and it's not as bad, then you sit there and go, well, hang on, I've got a bit, more time nice. and spe- oh. a bit more time and space. But on the flip side, if you're sitting out there going into a game thinking, I'm going to have 30 and kick three, but all of a sudden it's a, it's a final, it's a grand final, it's congested and you're getting tackled left, right and centre. It's hard to go the other way. It's hard to change your mindset and go, shit, hang on, I need to prepare for this. That's why you see teams. We spoke about it a bit earlier. If you're in good form, that's what you see. If you've got a team that's in a good form and you're coming up against a team who's had a hard-fought loss or a disappointing loss, you're almost looking at that team to perform better because they've had this build-up of this is going to be shit, this is going to be tough, this is going to be hard against a team going, shit, we're going all right at the moment. Mm. We're going – you look at – Carlton, Carlton, when they played West Coast, won by 106 points. Then they come and play against the top four team who was just wanted to fight tooth and nail. You could sort of see the mindset between the both of them. So it's it's a good mindset that you try to build into the players because that's it's hard to go the other way, as you said. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Looking at Luke Hodge now, obviously very polished uh, commentator, leader, doing what he did. Was it always like that? Young boy from Colac coming in no. to Hawks? <laughs> no, no. And what, I, cha- um, what changed? What was it? Was there a moment? Um, no, I think it was maturity. I think when you go through, like, I was a seven, I got drafted at 17. That's crazy. Come from People a, don't realise that these days. I don't, like, the young guys don't realise that guys could... So your birthday was in the first four months? Yeah, I was... I'm June 15. Oh, June? So I, I think the cutoff was June 1st. I thought it was like April or something. No, nah, so I think we just snuck in back, back then. Yeah. So um, I didn't have my licence until... I'd played about 10 games of AFL football in, into my first year. So I had Rick Ladson was the same. Daniel Alstone, we got drafted together, uh, went and lived in a house. So Daniel Alstone was our taxi for the first wow. for the first nine months of my, my nuts, uh, first nine months of my uh, my playing career. But yeah, I, I came in as a as a raw bloke. So if you look at the blokes and I try to explain it what it was like back then, it's a lot better now. Blokes in Melbourne who went to private schools, if you compare Bully, Juddy, myself, um, they were they had teammates that would come back and 
and blokes that have been drafted in and around them that would teach them from 16, 17, 18 of the rights and wrongs, what you eat before a game, what you drink before a game, how to recover, how to prepare the best. Uh, I was playing senior footy at, at 15 and I would have a beer after the game and have a piece of pizza because that's what the senior guys did. Having that build up to when you got drafted, it took me a long time to change. And when, especially when my career didn't start off as well as what Juddies did, um, and then all the articles were about, oh shit, Hawthorne made the wrong the wrong call, mm. they picked up the wrong person. My natural self-defense part was, fuck staying in Melbourne, I'm gonna go back to Colac. So my habit was I'd go back to Colac, where it didn't matter if I had five kicks, if I had 20 kicks, um, I was going back and spending time with mates that didn't care if I played didn't football care, yeah. or not. If I had my time again, I probably wouldn't have spent as much time down there because they weren't being professional athletes or didn't have that mindset. They were having beers, they were having eating maccas, doing all that stuff. So if you had your time again, I'd spend a bit more time in Melbourne. But that was that was the first few years of my footy career playing inconsistent football because I probably didn't listen as much as I should have to uh, the dietitians and the senior players, and would every at every opportunity would opt to go back home to spend time with mates because ultimately you don't know what you're missing out on. Like so, I'll. In my mind, I'm sitting there going, I'm missing out on 18th, I'm missing out on 21st. And as a young kid, that's all you want to do. Mm. But on the flip side, you talk to them later on in life and they're like, all we want to do was have the opportunity that you did. And I, was, I kept going back there trying to ruin my opportunity that I had in Melbourne. So hindsight's a, a wonderful thing. But I think that's what took me a long time to to learn. It was just um, listening to the right people and then spending more time around the right, the right group and as far as football guys and blokes that – Lived like a professional athlete. 2023 now, rejig that draft for me if you think it would have changed. In modern day, knowing what recruiters know, yep. you said before about private school versus you playing. Yeah, I, do you think it would have changed? Uh, I think it's different now because how good AFL has been and what they've been able to do to grassroots football downstairs yep. is you you have dietitian lessons from 15, from yep. 16. So by the time you look at the blokes who are coming in now, you've got yep. kids that Oh, are, definitely. So modern day, for sure. But I'm yep. talking now, knowing what you knew, if it was the same back then on the, those three guys, do you think that they would have opted to look at a guy that's gone, Chris Jard, who's this ultimate professional? You, I reckon I – reckon, You'd Bully. probably go back to Graham Pollock. Really? So, so you would have gone. So you're, you're a big looking, boy too. They would have, yeah. So back there, but even even before the draft, I know they they spoke about uh, Judd Ball myself about being the the top three, but that was only because Fremantle pushed Traded off the, the, the yeah. number one pick. They Fremantle always had Graham Pollock as their number one mm -hmm. centre half forward or centre half back was just huge. He was dominant in our era in our in our year in our final year. But because they traded off, they got in their centre half forward. They got in their centre half back in Crowder McFarlane. The three that they had above them, which was now Hawthorne, St Kilda, and West Coast, wanted midfielders because they were they were stocked with uh, top end talent. Yeah, yeah. Of, of the spine boat bookends. Um, so they actually got what they wanted. They got bookends plus Graham Pollock was probably the best draft pick there. So I reckon if they went through and did the draft now with knowing how important the bookends are, they probably would have went Graham Pollock. Wow. How do you think um, when you mentioned him before about going back with Colac? Mind and, you, there was Gary Ablett Jr. who's probably, oh, yeah, probably, probably going well. yeah, to gonna sneak in there somewhere That's so as well. crazy that he went. Like, I know there was a father-son, but was yeah. he rated that highly then? Or did he uh, – he really came on like, when yeah, he got drafted. He came, he came on about 206, yeah. I think, because he was – Gaz, I, I played uh, primary school, uh, primary school with Gaz. You Gazin. played cricket with him as well. Uh, no, no, no. I played cricket with Bally, Bally, and Jimmy Bartel. Um, but I met, first met him in, in primary school with the big primary school staff. Yeah, there's that more. famous photo of you yeah, guys. Yeah, the, and there was Nick Geishan was in as well. Uh, Troy and Adam Selwood. Uh, who else? There was Cameron Cloak was in there. Unbelievable. Um, there, was a, there was a few. Those guys schoolboys who on. photos now, like you can still see them, like the ones of Oliver and Petrarca. Yep. It's just like a. 
common thread of everything there. <laughs> but he, um, but yeah, that's Gaz when he went through. He, I think he got to stage. He always had that freak ability. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until he sort of matured a similar thing, and and I think he put in a solid preseason after two oh six when a few of the senior guys said you could take this competition if you get fit. That's what he did, and I think he won the Brownlow <laughs> next year. How do you think he would have gone now looking at guys like in the young, and I know this stuff gets absolutely beeped with the media, but it's really interesting the point that you made about Judd dominating. Because, again, I was probably a little bit younger, wasn't really aware of it at that stage. How do you think he would have gone with the media now that is so scrutinised on young players about performing? Look at Jason on Francis and every number one pick that comes through. Yeah. How would would that have bothered you, do you think? Oh, or I, you I, bit- I think there's no doubt. I yeah. think as much as as much as people say, oh, we don't read the paper, don't listen to it, the AFL revolves around media, um, whether it's social media stuff, whether it's paper, whether it's mm-hmm. TV, the players revolve around comments that are made and and whenever you have, you, you know, it's like if you have a good game, you I'm go checking Twitter. You, yeah, I'm checking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, then, but then the, the, the next, <laughs> the next time, if you have a bad game, what's your habit? I delete out. <laughs> <laughs> but but a lot of kids still yeah. uh, have it is to go back. Oh, I want to see what 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 did anyone say anything oh, bad? Oh, hundred percent. And that's yeah. the, this is where this is where the hardest thing for young blokes to understand is football is such a big roller coaster. You're on such a big high after a big game. You're such on such a low after a shit game. But to try and block out the advice from people external, from the people on Twitter, either way, to try and stay at that balance, that's how you be consistent. And that's how, as far as your mindset, not to be as up or down, which makes your body language, which makes your attitude, which makes your mental state, which makes your performance. And that's that's the hardest thing to try and tell these young guys to try and eliminate it. It's like that equilibrium piece. And again, it might be another Hawthorne anecdote that I'm I'm picking up slowly. All this stuff has been stolen. Um, but <laughs> yeah, worry, don't, we, we stole it yeah, off someone else as well. Don't get too high, don't get too low. It was a big thing for me as a young bloke that I struggled with a lot was when you play a good game, you're the best bloke, you're the best boyfriend, you're the best son, and you're yep. a good friend, and then you play a bad game, you're like, oh, I'm the fucking worst bloke in the world, and yep. you'd think you're a bad person. And you're, it's, it's funny, but your attitude reflects how you played, which shouldn't yeah. have anything to do with it, because no. in seven days' time, you got a chance to play again. So why don't you change your mindset and go from, fuck worry about how I played, Good or bad, how can I focus to be the best player next week or throughout the training track or mm. improve for that next week? And it's no different to – it's funny, moving out of football, you'd think, well, I remember I was I was doing commentary. It was – I think it was my last year at Hawthorne and I was special doing special comments and I was just starting to prepare. But this is before I even thought of going to Brisbane. I started to prepare to work for Channel 7, so I was doing some special comments. And halfway through a game, I just checked Twitter and someone had a red-hot go at what I was saying, whether I said something about their team. I can't remember the actual thing, but – all of a sudden, I, I looked at it and then I just stopped and didn't want to comment and then hesitated. And I remember I was with Luke Darcy and I sort of – and he he picked up on something and I sort of said, he goes, mate, never look at anything like that when you're, mm-hmm. when you're commentating. So even now, <clears throat> when I'm finished commentating, because sometimes you say some things, sometimes you make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Of that's, how you, that's how you improve. You, you make errors and you, and you learn from them. But whether I commentate now, I won't look. I'll go to Twitter and I'll just scroll through any feed that's come to me. Um, and then just look at any football stories or anything like that because I've learnt that I felt more comfortable playing football than I do commentating. But even now, you're still in the roller coaster of if you perform well, if you perform um, not so well, but then the feedback from the public <laughs> isn't oh, going to help you either way. It's always there. Do you know what's actually quite hard about the media space? And you're on a, a much larger scale than I am, but it's a fact that with footy, you can almost they're judging you on your football ability and what you did on the field versus when you're in commentary, that actually is you. Yeah. And it's like, it's not who you are, it's not your person, but it's. It's your opinions, and it is your. It actually is your self. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of. It is. It does hurt a little bit more sometimes. That, that, that's why coming from Colac, yeah, I, the, yeah. My, my Colac slang and the amount of feedback that I started started with my grandma 
with the the kicking and running and that <laughs> kind of stuff. And, and I've, I've I've worked hard on it where you do a bit of work but in mate, the off season. That's you, and that's what like that's what people love. I think. Yeah, like, but, but there's there's certain things that yeah people enjoy the the country larrikin side, but there's still yeah, there's certain people out there that are highly educated who yeah. want people to pronounce their words yeah, correctly. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, no. Um, English and, and, is important. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an important yeah, language. I'm, it, I'm very – I get uh, – I can't even say what I'm saying now. I get uh, reminded of that weekly yeah. that you can't just make up words, yeah. which is annoying. Don't worry. We can try. Yeah. And, hey, and some of them catch on, but some of them don't always. But but that's still a part of I, – I, I sort of look at the commentary. It's not something that comes natural to me because if you listen to some of the boys or some of my speeches at halftime or, or before the game, they'll sit there and go, fuck. I had a stroke out of about 20%. Yeah. So they're not Al Pacino. No, 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 I tried. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, I tried. And it made up a few of those words in there too. But there's the, the only, what, what I did find out is the pressure that you put on yourself, whether it's football, whether it's commentating, or whether it's being a captain making a speech before the game, is no one fucking listens to you. No, no one cares. <laughs> the they're all worried time, about their own shit. No, but the only time they realise is when you fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> that's when you, when true. So I remember the man, I've, I've given a few and I remember there was times where Isaac Smith, for some reason, and he's a pain in the ass, Isaac. He's a funny guy, always <laughs> smiling. Um, he'll be, he always used to stand about there. So if I'd say something and then do you know when there's a words are coming out and you think, fuck, this is not going to come right. Most days. And then you've turned around and then you look and he's like, <laughs> As in, I'm like, lost my train of thought, but I know that either during the game at halftime or sometime post game, that he's going to come up to me and say, "What did you say?" Yeah, uh, and that's it's like you know, then yeah, people only really pick up. You might say uh, 150 things in a game of football, but it's the one that you stuff up or the five things that you stuff up. And my phone will only go off with mates going, "Can you please explain that again?" Yeah. Or but that's 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 the the life we live in. That blokes are good mates are in it to, to hang shit on you. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> One, but I do want to just go back on quickly is when you said before about coming for Colac, all these things developing. Was there a specific conversation conversations with people, or did someone take you under their wing to teach you that? professionalism piece uh, was it one moment or was there just no, little bits it, and pieces it was, it was little just, bits. There's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of people um and i think throughout your career there's a lot of people that help you you can't there, there's certain plots you go oh, he, he was a big influ- influence yeah. but there was i remember early on there was peter swab in my first three years would sit down and and he realized that i'd missed home and i was going back so he'd sit down and go okay did you have beers this weekend what did you eat um <laughs> i was always honest with him so he's probably mate you probably have less beers don't have Macs, yeah. don't have kfc but i felt if you're honest to your coach yeah. it's doesn't quite work that way but he he sat down and was trying to help educate me and say mate this is probably not not, not the best pathway and then there was a massive change when alistair clarkson and andrew russell came into the football club and andrew russell's big one was no soft drink if you had a can of soft drink your skin folds are high and you had bacon he would rip you if if you had a can of soft drink what are you having that for it's no good for you um, so those little kind of things. I remember the the year that I hurt my knee in two twelve. I thought I'm going to be stubborn with this. So I went. The first year was no lollies, and I dropped a couple of kilos. And the next year was no soft drinks. I dropped a couple of kilos, and then no, what was it no chocolates? Uh, and I was playing at the lightest weight I have after just cutting out these little things that your body doesn't really need. Um, but there, to answer your question. There's, there were small people along the way that sort of gave little hints, and there's certain people would have gave me advice early, but I wasn't mentally ready for it. I, I did want to not go and have beers with my mates because that's what made me happy at the time. Um, but as I realised how important footy was and, and longevity of your career is by doing the right things 99% of the time, I realised that they started to be important. And that's probably why I got to the stage where I was able to play to 35 because I may have caught on a little bit a little bit late the, mm-hmm. later than everyone else. But through the times of after I hit my knee in 2012, I went – full the other way as far as cutting out stuff from the diet would still have the beer with mates and a glass of red with mates 
but it was working on my body, making sure. Uh, I saw a bloke, Mark McGrath, who I was ended up seeing him three or four times a year just with body yeah, movement, movement yeah. body movement stuff, which after my knee, I was favoring one side and started to have a calf issue. So then he started, it started to work for me. So then I started to see him once a week, twice a week. And then by the time I left Hawthorne in 2017, I was seeing him three, four times a week. So he's like, it's like, um, calisthenic type yeah, movements it's, and it's like it's, quite it's, weird so he he's trying to explain it do you know and this is might sound weird for people at yeah. home but do you know you watch a baby and they sit back and they can crouch down and their movements yeah. is always he goes that a lot of this, there's a lot of study done on body movements and as we get older and we sit on the couch you get that hunch and then you don't you lose the flexibility through your mm. hips because you're you're sitting how you do um so a lot of stuff i went to his house he had no furniture so he'd sit down there and, and do body like sit there and do certain positions to help his back and his spine and all that kind of stuff. And it, it does sound weird for people who haven't been a part of it, um, but I've bought into it and, and it helped me. And even to the stage of when I moved to Brisbane, I'd fly him up early yeah. on. I'd, I'd do video times just to do certain things because I had a bad back from from the years of football. But I'd do one session with him or, or do a video session with him and, and all of a sudden I was back training. I only missed a a couple games per year when I was up in Brisbane oh, because of the, the time and effort that I sort of spent into doing that, which you, you say the difference from when I was when I was 17 to 25 or 22, 23, yeah. I would have looked at the stuff that he was doing because some of the stuff that he did was a bit random, but I would have looked at it and said, there's no way I'm doing that. But when you realise that your career could finish at, at 28, you do everything you possibly can and I found something that that I that worked for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but I found something that worked for me, which was helped me, it helped me extend my career for another seven years. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. I think Juddy used him a little bit yeah, as well, well, which was – That's who he – I think he was working at Carlton with Juddy. Yeah. And then Andrew Russell got onto a few of the guys. And then I know there's there's um, Dylan Sheil and a few of the yeah, guys now. Yeah, I think now. Tommy Mitchell uses him yep, a little bit. Yep, Tommy Mitchell's building. Yeah, yep. good on him. Hey, um, there was a, a – early days in my career, there was a – I had a really good bit of advice from a, a coach and a, just a good friend called Darren Harris who – unbelievable guy. And he asked me this question once and it stumped me. And it was like – don't stump me. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> it's this is a, it's a compliment. It's long winded. Just bear with me. And it was about like he said, oh, pick three blokes you'd go to war with. And you know, I just picked like three of my mates. And he's like, why? You know, oh, they're my friends. And he goes, no, no, no. Like pick the guys that you'll go to war with. And what he was basically trying to do was, in a weird way, was seeing the guys that you trust the most, the guys that you respect the most. And they're not necessarily your friends. They're the ones that you respect and the ones that you know would go to war with. They'd or have your back. The they push. You push them to shove. And then he flipped it saying like, do you think anyone would pick you? And I was like, oh fuck, like, I knew straight away, like no way, like, yeah. no one would pick me. Like where I'm at right now, no one would pick me. And I think like from then, like my biggest thing has been like wanting to be a person that someone would pick to go to war with them. And for you, you know, I don't know if that's, I'm, I'm sure it resonates. I know that it's something that you would model your game on and I'm sure 90, 100% of people that play with you, you'd be in that top three people that would want to go to war with. Yeah, is I, that something you, you I, think, I think about? It's it's a question that we used to ask a lot in a, in a different way. It was as a leader, do you want to be liked or respected? Mm. And there's there's two big things, and that's where you said that. Do you go the like stage of of your mates, and you see people do the right thing, do the wrong thing? Are you willing to have that tough conversation to make the standards lift as a football organisation, or do you want to be? Yeah, if you don't have those conversations, if you want to be liked, if you want to be respected, you have those tough conversations. You mm. set the standard. You make you accountable because you're making other people accountable, and I think that's where people would, would pick you. Early on in my career, no, no way. Because maybe on the footy field, I was trustworthy and knew what I was doing, but could you trust it away from the footy field that I was doing absolutely everything I possibly could to to be a good leader, to be a professional athlete, which clearly I wasn't. But that that's a good leadership question that we, we ask people. What what do they want to be? And it probably refers back to what mm -hmm. you were saying. How many people out of the, the mates would you have trust? But when push comes to shove, 
would they do the right thing or can you trust them to do the right thing? Mm. Who are some of your teammates that you look over the past? And it could be teammates, could be coaches, could be just friends and family. Like who would you go um, to war with? Oh, if you talk about, talk about football-wise, you automatically go back and you look at the people who you put the behaviours in and around. And we used to always say that Ben Stratton was never the best player on our team. Mm. Like So this is, this is an era where we had Mitchell, Roughhead, Lewis, Rioli, Gibson, Franklin, the first person who was put up on the board as a player that you'd play with was Ben Stratton. Wow. Just because of you knew that no matter what happened, he would have your back. He would do anything he possibly can. Pretty much got us into a grand final, that goal-saving tackle against um, Paddy Dangerfield in 212 because of how much his, his competitive streak was, but what he wanted to win, uh, how much he wanted to win. Uh, and then the first person I saw when I got to the Brisbane Lions was Darcy Gardner. Who had the same? Who had that same streak? As competitive as hell, would cross the line and be just this animal who'd do anything for you. But off the footy field, would be a nice guy. Would do anything for you there. So they're they're probably two blokes that they're not the names that you'd expect when you when you put up with some of the blokes that I've played with. But they're the first people when you talk about leadership, culture, trust, um, reliability. They're the two blokes that come to mind because of what they stood for as players and as people. You can see, like I've been lucky enough to meet Stratton a couple of times. I don't know him well at all, but. You, you see the respect he's got from all his teammates. And I suppose with the success of the flags, you know publicly now how good he is. But Gardner, it's funny you say that because I always watch him and I always think, fuck, I hate that guy. But like <laughs> when you say that, and I said this to, I've had Braden Maynard on the show and yep. one of my favourite players. But yep. when I first saw Braden Maynard, I was like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> but it just makes you realise when you hate someone, you just love, you're just either jealous yeah. of what they're doing or you just, they make you have that feeling. You're you know? spot on. There, there's a... There's, you don't like some people because of their smart asses yeah. or anything like that, but there's there's some blokes that just go out there and just love to compete, and yeah. they're the blokes- You want them on your team. Yeah, and they're the, that's the trust issue. The who would you take to war question is because of how competitive they are and how much, and what they would do for you. Yeah, well, it's like the Toby piece, right? Like, you know, I'd, I would love to have seen you and Toby play together, and I think it would have been incredible the way that you could probably early in his career help mould him. Like, he's at that stage now where he's so mature, but yep. he's that guy that like, it's actually to his own detriment how much he backs his mates in. Yeah. Like, I tell the story a bit, <laughs> but there's this funny time when, uh, you know when he allegedly eye gouged um, Lockie Neal. Yep. Allegedly, um, we still. I, I was standing right yeah, there. Yeah. Did you give any evidence, there, mate? Or <laughs> no, I didn't give any evidence. <laughs> I, actually, I did. I did speak to him straight afterwards. Yeah. I was because the ball went up, and I was playing on him yeah. at that time. I was playing on him, and I said, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. I'm like, the week before you got warned, you got let off. I'm like. It was a final. I was thinking it was the second final. I'm like, what are you fucking doing? Even if you didn't, I don't put your hands anywhere near yeah. it. Nah, 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 nah. I'll be right. And I'm sitting there yeah, going, and right. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if he got him. I, I can't remember that. But I remember, yeah, I remember the reaction sitting there just saying to him, like, mate, you fucking, what are you thinking? But that's where it goes to that. You go through a stage where he was, uh, he was a bit of a bro. I remember the time when he was on crutches. And he got, and that's where we had the same manager at the time, and. I sat there going, I could see a lot of him. Like he was a yes. bit of a brat, a bit of a, 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 a young kid who enjoyed a beer with his mates, but also wouldn't shirk an issue. I find that they're the same blokes when they mature. They're the blokes that you want on your team. There's because a bit of you, there. Because, yeah, you, because yeah. You, you know that when push comes to shove, not fight-wise, but when you need someone to have your back, he'll be the first well, one there. This is the point of that story is the fact that, like, you know, obviously a big week for him, potentially missing out in the grand final at this stage, and I'm not even, you know, I'm training with the, the NEFL thirds. Um, definitely going about to get delisted and had just started the podcast and we're sitting at his house and honestly probably one of the biggest weeks of his life. You can imagine the anxiety. He was about to fly down to Melbourne to go to the tribunal. He's like, oh, 
better make the fucking most of it then. He goes, you know your podcast? Like, can we get that on a T-shirt? I was like, oh, fuck, you're flying down tomorrow. Like, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, potentially we can. Next day, he flies down. He's got his Giants polo on. We Wayne Campbell, get off the plane. Know there's going to be a barrage of like seven news media and Channel 10, everyone there. And he whips off his polo in front of Wayne Campbell and he's got the big Dylan Friends podcast <laughs> on his T-shirt. <laughs> I was like, for that gesture, like, you know, I still talk about it all the time, like, as a mate, to do yeah. something for your friend when you're going through the worst time ever, but to like look at it hey, like free that. promotion, promotions, it, promotion. it's unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? Like it's just a funny story though. Yeah. I just well, love. I think that's where it goes back to the question: Who would you take the war? Mm. I'm pretty sure he'd be one of the there. top in your list because 100%. of because what do you do for you? And I think that shows a little bit. Yeah. Um, before we finish, up, mate, I can't go without saying: uh, Are you upset that the we we know the Scott Pendlebury uh, resemblance of the basketball gets brought up a lot? But Luke Hodge cricket. <laughs> didn't, it didn't get brought up as much as I think you would like. <laughs> nah. How good were you? Who did you play with? And out of all the past current AFL players around your era and ilk, who do you think was most dangerous? Who was the best and potentially could have done the most damage? Um, played with – played Dealing Shield with and Jimmy Bartell. Sorry to keep going. What did you actually – were you a batter, bowler, you a big fielder? Uh, I, was, I was a big fielder. <laughs> yeah, I was a bloke who went from fine leg to fine leg. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was an erratic bowler. Not with my temperament. You wouldn't yeah. picture that. Medium pace? Or? Uh, tried to be erratic quick. Okay. I actually played we, – we're playing in a league up in up in Brisbane, last man standing, and I hit a bloke in the head the other day. Oh, wow. Scared the shit out of me. Just, yeah. the, just the sound, the thud. And I didn't – and I didn't mean it. It was one of those ones where you try and bowl a Yorker and try too hard, and hence the erratic fast bowler. Yeah. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. But I play, the blokes I played with were Jimmy Bartel, played Dowling shit with him, played against Luke Ball. And were those boys pretty good? Yeah, Jimmy's a good bat. Uh, Luke Ball, just left-hander, just very classy. Very classy. Yeah, you can well, see you that. You just see them. Mm. the way he moves, everything he does. He just had that technique. He was he – was, out of the blokes I played with or against down there, he's probably someone who definitely would have jumped out that could have could have pushed on to play cricket, uh, opted to go. Clearly went football, but um, – he, he was very good, and, and as far as my my cricket went, as far as that, it yeah. was it was an erratic fast bowler who occasionally got it where I wanted it to, um, and then was a slogger down the order. Yeah, so okay. um, had a lot of fun playing junior football, but there was no never anything. No, never. Nah. That. What about Murph and uh, Dilly? I know those two think that they could. Have, did you ever play against them? No, nah, they were about three years younger than me. Two so young. yeah, yeah, so we we I was already in in the um footy in the AFL by the time that had come through, but. Uh, still, yeah, I said, still enjoy playing a game of cricket. Went down and played a couple years in 205. That Going back to play with the mates, yeah. I ended up getting in trouble because we uh, we made the grand final in, in 2005. I went down and played about eight games, didn't tell coaches, didn't tell anyone. And when then you the, were playing for the Lions? No, when I was playing, no, 2005, I was playing oh, for Hawthorne. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, this is, this is Clarko's first year's preseason. And I, I, I justified it myself. If you didn't miss any preseason, it was the first year that I didn't miss anything. So I went through and did majority of the stuff that I had to do. And then I thought, oh, as a reward, I'd sneak down and play games when I could. <laughs> then it was in the grand final, I made a few runs, and it was in the Collar Herald. I was going to say, imagine these days with like and Instagram and stuff. Yeah, if well, that was back a- then you could sort of do stuff like you'd go back and um, – but yeah, there it was put in the paper, and then I got quit. I got quizzed that, that oh. next Monday. Going, what? How many games you play? I'm like, oh, a couple. I said you're playing in the grand final, so you must have qualified. I'm like, fuck, I didn't think that's, that. <laughs> that's unbelievable. But no, it was good, always good. Um, mate, last one. Toughest opponents, favorite opponents to come up against. If you had to pick your top three <laughs> over your career now, uh, well, favorite opponent or, or teammate, uh, it goes down the same bloke, mm. um, buddy. To to play with a bloke who he's in his prime. Was just amazing to watch. Like we we had him, 
we had prime bud for a couple of years and then prime what was bud. What like? It's hard to explain. To, to sit in a – if you had the ball sitting inside Ford 50 and you had Franklin, Rioli, Gunston, Roughhead, Luke Bruce, David Hart, like you, everywhere you looked up you thought this is a pretty handy forward line to kick to but – when you gave time and space to, to Cyril, um, what he could do pressure-wise, but also just break out of anything. But then when we played and had Bud high up the ground and space behind him, almost like the old Pagan's Paddock with, mm. with Bud, a couple of those goals that you remember was against Essendon um, where he's turning around, run away from his opponent, looking back, just bouncing the ball, drilling it from 50. He was just an absolute freak. And, and you sort of look now and the issue with people who play for a long period of time is you see what they do their last couple of years. Um, and I hope that people go back when Bud does retire and look at what he was able to do from like the year he kicked 100, I think it was 113 games, 113 goals. That was in his fourth year. I know. Is, I was at that game. It was the worst part was is when Clarko put Ruffy back in front of Fev. So that was bullshit. Actually, I should have asked Clarko. That was just because you could have got he actually robbed everyone of running on again. That was yeah. the worst part. And we're, we're all sitting because I remember on the bench at one stage in the last quarter, and I've turned around and said, "What the fuck are you doing? Mm. Like this? You're is, up by like hundred points. We're up by hundred yeah. points, and he, like this is why he's a good coach. His mindset was: we got finals next week. We're preparing. If someone yeah. gets a run on, you've got a Ford who's kicked. What he needed nine, didn't he? Or needed eight? He had yep. seven. He was preparing for what we're going to do next week. You and we're all sitting it. there going, fuck next week. Yeah. <laughs> this is a chance for two blokes to – That's unbelievable. I remember Fev actually saying um, – I remember because Gooey was kicking out. He's like, just kick to me. Just kick to me. He was out there trying to talk to the boys and we're sitting there going, should just we – it. Like, it, was, like, it wasn't going to affect the game. And can you imagine Can you imagine Fev and how much his stories would have grown oh. if, he, if he was able to do that? But, um, yeah, that's – it was an amazing thing. But, but right. going back to Bud – yeah, he, he was probably the best that I'd played with and against just because of what he was able to do. Well, that like we had uh, Ruffy on the show a while ago and we're talking about the fact that you look at, you know, people talk a lot about Char Charlie Kernow and Harry Mackay at the moment, how good they are. At 21 years of age, what Ruffy and I think they'd kick something like 150 goals together or something. Well, Ruffy kicked more, 70 in the – yeah, well, like it, it was that year. It was about 180 or I think. 180 Ruffy, together. Ruffy, after the finals, I reckon Ruffy ticked over the 70. And at Bud, 21 years of age, those yep. two did that. And like, you know, Charlie and Harry going incredible at the moment, but that's younger yep. than what they are now and kicking probably two to three times more goals. Yeah, the, the game, had changed, game. game had changed a little yeah. bit, but they were just, yeah, You between the two of them, as you said, when you didn't expect, look, so the year before they both had good years, like Bud had kicked on maybe 60-odd the year before. Um, but from the come out there in in that year and to do what they did to build the pressure. And people started to go back and Crazy. like they were getting the best defenders without a doubt. We had a few others there, but it was the consistency that they had between the two of them. You sort of sit back and go, there's a reason why we had a bit of success. We had some pretty good players down there. Mate, I appreciate it, man. Incredible to get you in today. Uh, I could have chat for another four hours and I, uh, I really do uh, appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. Incredible to get you in and um, best of luck for everything ahead, mate. I know you've very uh, got some good things coming. Thank you, mate. And just remember, if you need me, I'm more than happy to come down a couple of days early to get away from the we kids. We will. And also, mate, we've got to look in the game of golf. We do. That's come, what we I'm need I'm happy to come down every week if you want to go to well, golf. Well, we will definitely- I'll, uh, I'll ask the missus and get back to you. And when I get when I get up to Brisbane too, I want to go play- uh, where, where are you at? Um, Brisbane Golf Club. You're and, Royal? And, and, yeah. And, uh, no, Brisbane Golf Club. Brisbane and, Golf Club. And Brookwater. Is it, is it Royal Brisbane as well? Uh, Royal Queensland. Royal Queensland. Yeah, just okay. under the bridge. Let's do the tree Let's do the um, tree peat. Tree peat. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to make up those words, aren't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. 
If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in, IllyXX. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.